0: You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message.
1: So last week we started this sermon series, and as Lexi said, it's a short one, three weeks. So that means if you missed last week, you missed 33% of this entire sermon series. Think about that. You missed A third of everything that I'm going to share with you in this sermon series. So... Please go back, if you missed it, and listen to the podcast, okay? Because last week was really really uh, some, some awesome stuff that we talked about. We talked about why we sing together. You ever think about that, why we stand together and sing? Uh, why, why we even get together at all, you know, Sundays, grow groups, teens, that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, why, we, you know, why we serve, why we join, why we give, all those things we dealt with last week. And it's just some stuff. And, and really, and, and this is one of the sermon series that's so short that really, they do kind of build on one another. So if you missed last week, you missed some important stuff. You really missed some important stuff. Really about why we do what we do and how and and uh, you know what the purpose is because that's what this sermon series is about. We talked about living on purpose last week. We're going to talk about giving on purpose this this morning. Okay. So let me let me start you off with a with a scripture. Right. This is uh, in the book 2 Corinthians chapter nine verse seven. So let each one give as he purposes you yep, that's our sermon series right giving on purpose let each one give as he purposes in his heart not grudgingly or of necessity for god loves a cheerful giver now you cannot substitute the word chooses for purposes okay it's not let everybody give how they choose to give it's let everyone give purpose with purpose purposefully what have you purposed uh to give and so it's not just about you know that but you know what you choose to do but it's about giving purposely. And it, it, by the way, you know, happy Thanksgiving month, right? You know, we kind of joke in our family that, um, that, that several members of our family, they believe in celebrating their birth week, not their birthday. You know what I mean? You know, so they want you to celebrate them more than just the one day. So let me wish you a happy Thanksgiving month, okay? And uh, have you ever thought about what that word means, Thanksgiving Doesn't it mean giving thanks? And is that just what we do with our lips? Or is it also what we do with our actions, with our heart, with our attitude, and all those things? Is it not supposed to be all that? So that's what we're talking about today, about it being more than just that. It's about being on purpose. Okay, so let's begin here. Here is that, uh, bring up that first line, give me that first word, giving is nature. Yeah, giving is natural in the family of God. It is in our DNA. All right, here, here's what I mean when I say that about it's in our DNA. If you're a Christian, then you are now part of the family of, and I'm sorry, you're part of the body of Christ, right? You're part of the body of Christ. If, if, if you're a Christian, so that means Whatever his DNA is, whatever Christ's DNA is, is your DNA, because you're part of this body as well. And 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 we see it throughout the Scripture of that giving is—it's just, just natural to us because that—that's who we are because that's who He was. Now, now let, let me say this though: What what do you call a living organism that does not do what it was really supposed to function and do? How it was supposed to function? You know, what do you say about that organism? It's it's ill. It's unhealthy. It's not well. Something is wrong. Something needs to be fixed. Something needs to be cured. Something needs to be created. So we have this DNA, and if we're not operating with this DNA of giving, something's not right. So we need to check ourselves today, okay? Let's check ourselves because it's our DNA. It is natural for everyone in the family of God, everyone in the in the body of Christ, every one of us to give. And look, here are just a few examples, and we'll give you a few more later in this, in the sermon. But Cain and Abel. When you hear of Cain and Abel, do you think about wow, that's a couple of givers there? Is that is that the story you remember? No, you, you think about Cain killing Abel, don't you? But do you know they were givers? There's your scripture right there, and those are in the sermon notes. If you want to just click that link, it'll take you right to it. Or Noah. You know, Noah, uh, the scripture reference there is about how he was a giver after the flood. But you ever think about this too? Let me throw this one in too. you, all right? You ever think about, he built that ark. Where did he get funding for that ark? I don't see him having a capital campaign. I don't see him going out and raising. I just see him starting. Where did that money come from? Where did he get all those timbers and all of that? Noah was a giver. Abraham was a giver. Great story right there. Uh, and also in Genesis. David was a giver. We'll talk about him in a few minutes. Jesus was even a giver. You don't think about him being a giver, but there's a great reference there also. The boy who gave his lunch. Remember that little boy gave his lunch in 5,000 families? Jesus multiplied it by that. That little boy gave his lunch. He got blessed too because he got some of it back, right? He got to eat it. Mary Magdalene Joanna Susanna the those women who supported Jesus it says it says those three names and the other women they were uh, and Barnabas you know when you think of Barnabas you think of Paul's sidekick but you don't realize go look at that verse and see he was a giver and uh, I mean a big giver and Dorcas uh, last week when we wrapped up we were talking about all the things that God is doing through twenty nine eleven, 11 and that is just another reason I really want you to hear that sermon from last week if you didn't hear it because there are so many things that you don't realize That we've done that god has enabled us to do as a church and we're still doing and this dorcas if you know her story man she would have fit right in in the middle of everything that god is doing at 29 11 she'd be an awesome addition to our family here at 29 11 so it's natural it's natural to be a giver now let me ask you this has anybody ever given you directions to their house and they say, you know, park here, to whatever, whatever. And then go up on the back porch and ring the doorbell with your elbow. You ever heard that before? Nobody, except people in the first service that are here in the second service, right? You know, you know what? Say, yeah, ring the doorbell with your elbow. And you say, well, why would I do that? Well, your, your hand's going to be full with dessert or something, right? You're not coming empty-handed. Ring the doorbell with your elbow. You know, you, Nobody's ever heard that before? I've been invited to do that several times. But you know who said it first? Any ideas? God said it first. Do you believe that? God said that first. Now, the way we say it is kind of jokingly, right? But God doesn't say it jokingly. He's serious about it, real serious about it. Here's your scripture, Exodus chapter 34, verse 20. God says, no one is to appear before me empty-handed. Wow. Now, you know, ring the doorbell with the elbow, that's kind of, you know, kind of cute thing to say. God's not being cute here. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. He says this three times. I got the other two references in the notes if you want to look them up later, okay? He says, no one is to appear before me. That's serious stuff. Why? Because this is who we are. And if we aren't acting that way, then something's wrong because that's our DNA, and something's not healthy about us, so we need to we need to check on that. Now, I want to go a little deeper with this, but before I do, I've got a couple of questions I want to throw in here that I want to answer because some of you have questions about some of this. Some of you express those questions. Some of you just keep them in and hope the pastor eventually deals with it one Sunday morning or something. Okay, a couple of questions for you. And here's the first one. So what about the tithe? Okay, you've heard about tithing and all that kind of stuff. So let me talk about tithing for just a moment if I can. I'm going to do this as quick as I can. Tithe, the actual word in the Hebrew means 10th or 10%. Tithing was the minimum standard in the bible set in the bible and nothing contradicts that there's not anything in the bible that, that contradicts that there are some people that say well it's no longer or whatever you know like new test i've heard people want to say well you know new testament doesn't have doesn't say a whole lot about it well it doesn't have to the old testament said a lot about it so the new testament doesn't have to say anything about it really but just to settle those people. Jesus did say something about it. And this is Luke chapter 11. Uh, you ever heard of the Pharisees before? I mean, these were these people that they were, they were so dogmatic about the letter of the law. They knew the letter of the law. you know, like, And they did that kind of stuff, but they didn't get the heart of the law. They were doing it because, and they were beating people up about it. You aren't following it right. You aren't, you aren't but they didn't get the heart of the law. So Jesus is chastising them about this here in verse 42. He says, What sorrow awaits you Pharisees, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. And So, so he's, he's saying, you know, you're doing all the letter of the law stuff, but you don't get the justice part. You don't get the love of God and how we're supposed to treat one another. You should tithe, yes. Jesus says you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. And I, I've actually heard some people try to twist this and say, you know, Jesus is saying that's not important. That, that's not what he's saying here. He's saying there's some stuff that you aren't doing. I mean, if you take this, if you just take what he says there about tithe and you don't put all the stuff around it, what does he say? You should tithe, yes. That's what he's saying, okay? And so he's not saying, I mean, this if if Jesus was going to say, look, now that I'm here, tithing isn't important anymore, this was his perfect opportunity to say it right there. He said, Okay, look, you guys, y'all aren't getting this part. And you know, now that I'm here, tithing isn't important. That's not what he says. He says, but yeah, keep on tithing because that part is right. You're supposed to do that because he didn't want anybody to have the, have the excuse of Jesus said it wasn't important. No, he said this is still important. So it's, it's still right there. Okay, but here's what we see throughout Scripture and just throughout all the Scriptures and specifically uh, here in the New Testament, okay, throughout Scripture, we see how God's people went beyond any minimum standard because they had a giving heart giving was part of their heart that was who they were and they go beyond this this 10% minimum stand uh, the standard that was said in the Old Testament they go way beyond it look, look at the verses right here second chapter 8 and these are the Old uh, New Testament they are very poor but they are also filled with abundant joy which has overflowed in rich generosity poor people were rich in generosity They gave not only what they could afford but far more they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem and that happens at 29 11 people people ask are we doing that that Appalachian Christmas thing again where we give to the kids up there and all that it's like people are begging just like this I mean that's the heart of God that is inside of you that wants to give to people or or look at Acts chapter 4 there were no needy people among them how in the world could that be that's impossible right It's impossible there could be no needy people. That's what Scripture says, though. And here's how it happened. Because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. And and these are all many other Scriptures, and there's others besides these right here, that show the heart of God's people. About how it it, it, it was not something they were forced into doing. It was their heart to be giver's. I read something a long time ago I don't, I don't remember but it was in an article and I, I can tell you how old it was it was back before you know it was back before online i mean it was actually a you know a magazine you know sitting in my lap i was reading this article and i cannot remember who said this i have googled it time and time again trying to find out who said it so i can give them credit for it but this is what they said about these people this is this is what they said that that kind of wraps up uh, uh kind of explains their their whole attitude is that no one was content with too much so long as anyone else had too little imagine that no one could say well i'm blessed they they weren't content with that as long as they could see somebody else who needed something that was their attitude this is the attitude of giving so 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 let me wrap this up about tithing and especially this new testament argument that a few people try to make is saying that that the new testament uh 10 is not a new testament thing which is erroneous but to saying that is not an excuse to not give it's actually an argument to give more because if you look and see what what Scripture points out it's about these people that are so generous they go way above and beyond the 10% okay here's the second question this is a question about 29 11 why do we not take up an offering at 29 11 you know like we don't pass a plate you know y- y'all been in churches that pass plates we don't do that at 29 11 right? did you know 70% of American churches today do not pass an offering plate anymore that, that was crazy for me to read that I, I i thought you know we were in the minority we're actually no longer in the minority when we, we we stopped doing it some time ago when we were in the minority but we're not no not any longer and one of the things that's happened you know, is covid you know everybody had to start giving online at 29 11 before covid we were about half and half half of our giving was online and half was actually uh, you know in in something like our offering box that we have back there you know people would just bring it in that way and so that, that was the way people were giving. COVID hit. And now uh, two-thirds of our giving at 2911 is online. You guys are giving. Okay, but let me me tell you why I really like this. Everybody's kind of leaning that way now, but because people whose giving is on purpose don't need an offering plate to remind them to give. They find a way to give. I think it's so cool to have someone new come up and say, Pastor, I, I, where do I give my offering? And I tell them about the box back there or, you know, you can give online. A lot of people don't, don't do a lot of stuff financially online because, of, you know, there's some scary stuff out there. And so they, they still want to give there. And that's great. True givers ask the question. True givers find out. People who are purposeful about their giving find out. I like, personally, this is Pastor, I like that we don't take an offering. People give their offering. I like that, you know, and that, that uh, so many people, you give online, they're not giving on Sunday morning when they get their paycheck, when they get their payday, they're giving right then, they go online and give right then, and then those that do bring it, they come on Sunday, and they've already got their check ready and written, and they're dropping that offering I like that we don't take a take an offering, but we allow people the opportunity to give an offering, I, I like that attitude, because that is scriptural, okay, let's Let's back away from that now. Those are the two questions. I want to kind of throw it here in the middle of this. Now let's dig a little deeper. i got three stories to tell you and wrap this up, okay? The first one is about building the temple um israel when they were uh, when they came out of egypt remember that story moses bringing them out of egypt and all that and uh, they were nomads you know wandering around they finally get to the promised land 40 years later and and they get to get to their place and they've had this tabernacle that they uh, you know they kind of worship god in and and around because everybody couldn't fit in It, it was basically a big huge tent Everybody couldn't fit in there. So they had this tabernacle. Well, they just set it up. They kept moving it, you know, as they were nomads. But once again, in the promised land, they, they, they set it up, and that's still where they worship until David becomes king. And in his, in his uh, reign as king, he starts talking to God and uh, the prophets about building. He, it was his heart. He wanted to build God, he said, a permanent place to meet with man. And so he wanted to build this temple, and God said, well, you're not going to do it, but your son Solomon's going to do it. And so this is where we pick this up. This is late in in King David's reign, and so this is where we pick up this story. And King David says, my son Solomon, and listen, I'm just going to read the bold parts, okay, but I wanted you to be able to see all that fills in there as well. King David said, my son Solomon, the temple he will build is not for mere mortals. It is for the Lord God himself. I have gathered as much as I could for building the temple of my God. Now there is enough. I want you to realize what he says there because I want to come back to it in a second. Now there is enough. And talks about the stuff that he's gathered. Okay, let's go on to the next one now. And he said, now there is enough. And I am giving, okay, now there is enough. But he says, I'm giving all of my own private treasures. And then if you look there, you'll see the tons of gold and the tons of silver that David gives on top of enough. Now there is enough to do this, and now I'm going to give. There's already enough, but now I'm going to give. And then we go down and he says, now then who will follow my example and who will give offerings to the Lord today? So, so he's saying there's enough, but now I'm going to give this. So he gives this, he says, now who's going to give too? He's asking people to give and... There's no reason to give, is there? You know, because he's already done it. Now, they start giving, and and here listed all the tons of gold and silver and bronze and iron and, and the thousands of gold coins that are given. And we get to the bottom of the story, it says, The people rejoiced over the offerings, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly. Okay, two points right here, all right? No one had to give. God doesn't need our money did you know that remember what, what david said i told you i was coming back to this i've already kind of mentioned it two or three times since then right is david said there is enough it's done there's enough it's taken care of nobody had to give you know it's done but they gave anyway but god doesn't need our money that's that's the message i get out of that god doesn't need our money you see, that in quotes did you notice that why did i say our money uh channel you got a dollar? couple okay H- hold them up <laughs> all right uh everybody help me whose dollars are these chandler's dollars right uh chandler, how long have you had those dollars one day. one day he's had them one day and uh how long do you think you're gonna hold on to them <laughs> he's had them a day and he's already knows they're not gonna stay here much hey, let me ask you one more question about that money chandler if you were to die this afternoon who would have those dollars uh, Lexi right so yeah what's the point pastor the point is we act like all this stuff is ours it's it's alone to us right I mean actually we know it all belongs to God anyway I mean if every human being was wiped off the face of the earth tomorrow and some huge nuclear attack you know nuclear war all across you know, who, who would this belong to? this world still belongs to God it always was his and still is his yeah we hold this stuff like it's really something don't we and then we give it to god like hey, god I'm, I'm doing you a favor today i'm giving you something we're giving him what belongs to him he loaned it to us to use and we just give it back to him we're not giving him or doing anything for him. he's already got it as a matter of fact you know I've thought about it this way at any moment god can call your loan you know any moment he can call your loan he said no no, give me that back you know you're not using it the way you want to thank god he doesn't do that as often as maybe he should or could right god doesn't need our money no one had to give here's the second thing no one had to give they wanted to give but now get this okay they didn't need the money anymore because everything was taken care of david in his wheeling and dealing as king had been able to maybe call in favors or whatever and he had every bit of everything they needed to build this house that they would call the temple of god but then david said that ain't good enough you know he wanted it to be better than just the need he wanted it to be better than just getting by he wanted it to be right and and think about this this way you know because that's, that's what a lot of us do. I think we say, Pastor, what do you need around here? And you know, uh, you mean like this moment? I and mean, we're good. Everybody comfortable, right? Need a little more air or a little heat or something. But we got it, right? You got chairs, nobody sitting on the floor. We got everything we need. It's not about need. It's about opportunity. And these people were seeing, hey, this, this house is about to be built for God. This temple's about to be built for God. David knows this. And he said, I'm about to die. I'm not going to see that house, but I'm going to be part of it. I'm going to be part of this giving. I'm not going to let this house be good. This was something I asked God, help me. I want to be a part of this, and I'm going to be a part of it, even though I want him to be here. And so he, he gave of his gold and his silver. And the language says he gave it all. I don't know if he gave it all. That's the, what the language looks like. He gave it all. He said, I'm about to die. I'm not leaving anything for my kids. Let them fend for themselves. I don't know if that's his attitude, but he's saying, I'm going to be a part. This is what, this is what they were saying is, wait a minute. An awesome thing is about to happen, and I want to be a part of it. Even though God doesn't. Doesn't need my money even though God doesn't need my time even though God doesn't need my talents he's got plenty of people with more talented than me but these people say, I'm still gonna be a part of this I mean that's how we wrapped up that sermon last week one of the reasons I want you to really listen to this last week is I want you to see you know just what God is doing through 29 11 and has done through 29 11 over the last 14 plus years and see that you're now a part of this but are you a part of this sitting here and saying yeah those people did something or do you say God is doing something through us. I want you to be a part of that as well. I want you to be able to. Okay, so, so i got two more stories I want to tell you before we wrap this up. Okay, here's, here's the second one is about a, a widow, a poor widow in uh, Luke chapter 21. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. Okay, stop there. Don't read ahead because I want to catch you right here. What, what your thoughts are. I want you to just think of it. What, what are you saying? I'm a very visual person. I'm seeing this. I'm seeing all these rich people, you know, with their best clothes coming into the temple, you know, and, and laying their money, putting it in the offering box, you know, and I'm seeing all this. And, and then I see this poor old widow, you know, and to me, you know, she's decrepit. She's barely getting around. She's got a, a cane, you know, and everything. And, and she's got these two small copper coins. What, what do you see? I, I, I want to catch you in this moment. What do you see? Because I think what you and I see is what the disciples saw. And then Jesus says something ridiculous, <laughs> okay? What he says here is ridiculous. Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. And I just wonder, some of the disciples are saying, J- Jesus, are you crazy? You just saw what we just saw. All these people putting in all this, and she puts in two little coins, and he says, for they have all contributed out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, has put in all she had to live on. Okay, um, When you and I give, or when you and I see a need, or when we see opportunity, when we see those things, you know, and we give, I know what we do a lot of times, you know, is we want to, you know, pull it out and check and see and say, no, I just really don't have a lot to give and be a part of this today. You know, we, we see, what do we see? We see our lack, right? We see the things that stand between us and the ability to be a part of what God is doing. But you know about this poor woman here, this poor widow here? Bring up that, that point there for me, uh, Beverly. The widow didn't look at her two small coins as a limitation, but as an opportunity. And she's digging down in pockets or a change purse or whatever, and she sees those two coins. She doesn't look at it like most of us do most of the time, right? And say, ah, man, I can't. She's like, I've got two. All these people, but I can be a part of this because I got two coins. That was her attitude. I can be a part of this. You see, a lot of us, we, we use our limitations as an excuse. And we don't realize that God is giving us an opportunity. It, every one of us has opportunity to do something. We all have an opportunity to do something. Purposeful givers, I got this last one right here. Purposeful givers look for the opportunity to give you see uh i started this thought a second ago and let me finish it here for you it, it, you know i was i was uh, state director of a of a ministry a nonprofit, uh, several several years ago and and i kept getting hammered into me by you know people saying hey you've got to tell people about the need people give to need people give to need people give to need and yeah that's true but you know what happens when you give to need you know like if chandler said hey I i've only got these two dollars he, he, he's got more than that in his pocket he told me earlier okay but uh, if he says i've only got two dollars i need one more today and if somebody said oh, i got a dollar for you give chandler one more dollar what happens here's his need you got his head right above water right that's what happens when we give to need but when we give to opportunity then what happens is what what happens with during that day of david is they gave to opportunity to say i want to be a part of this then what happens is is what happened with this poor widow woman she said I want i get to be a part i've got two. i get to be a part of this of what god is doing amongst his people it's the difference in need and opportunity and 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 people who who are focused they have a purpose in their giving they're not looking like well where to, where where's somebody got to have some of my money but looking for an opportunity for God to do something amazing in, in, in their life. Um, here's, the, here's the last one, and this is another widow. It's in the Old Testament, though. The widow of Zarephath, and uh, this story begins with Elijah. There's a famine, and uh, God's got this prophet named Elijah, and God tells him, Elijah, I want you to go move to Zarephath till this, till this famine's over. You know, and I'm going to take care of you there because I've already, I've already spoken to a widow. I don't know how God did it. He didn't give us a lot of details on that. But he says, I've spoken to a widow to feed you until this famine's over. And so you go live in Zarephath and I'm going to feed you. And I'm telling you that because sometimes I think people read this story and, and they think Elijah is full of himself the way he goes up to this woman and says, feed me first. But God says, I've already told her. Okay, so God's already told her. Now, Elijah comes up and, he, and, you know, they meet. I don't know how they end up meeting or finding one another, but they, they do. And God, you know, Elijah says, what do you got? And she said, I got just a little bit of meal. I got a little bit of oil. I'm about to make a few cakes and me and my son are going to eat our last meal because all of our resources are gone after that. And Elijah says, feed me first and then feed you and your son. And he wasn't being ugly god had already told her do this and, and he gives them a gives her a promise by saying do that feed me first and then make one for you and your son and if you do that then god will never let the meal or the oil run dry as long as this famine is, is, is here in the world and that's exactly what happened she fed him first then she fed herself and her son she got up the next morning for breakfast she went and looked there was enough meal and enough oil to make cakes that morning she went back to lunch guess what enough meal and enough oil for lunch same thing happened for dinner same thing happened the next day and the next day and the next week until the famine was over God gave her a miracle okay here are four points about this all right first one is this there are blessings in obedience all right there are blessings in obedience and also the converse of that is true you know, if, if when we aren't obedient, you know, there are also consequences. Now, when, when we hear that, we think of, um, we think of punishment, right? <laughs> you know, because, you know, we were raised by our parents, you know, and you know, when our parents tell us to do something, we don't do it, and they say there's going to be consequences. You know, when I was a kid, the consequences were painful, you know what I mean. Okay? uh and some of you guys may some of you teens today may say mine are more painful than yours were you know but because yours might last for a week or a month right but there, there are consequences but that's not all let me let me give you let me give you something else to understand yes yes when we are when we are just boldly disobedient and we just we just run rampant and wild yeah you go to jail i mean there's some real punishment that happens you know even in this world right but let me give you something else to think about and understand this. And this this is one of the reasons I want to tell you this because I want you to understand why you're missing blessings, some of you. Okay? If you came to my house this afternoon, I'm sitting on you know my recliner and I'm watching I'm watching a uh, football, you know, and you come in. I say, hey, I got some popsicles in the in the freezer. How about opening the door and getting me and you you a popsicle, and and we'll both have one. And you're like. I can't believe he asked me to go in his own freezer. You know, I'm the guest. He ought to get up and get me. And so instead, you just go and sit down on the couch. You didn't get a popsicle, did you? It, was that punishment? It wasn't punishment. You just didn't open the door to get the. And if you don't open the door, you can't get the popsicle there's a blessing but the blessings on the other side of the door that has to be open and when you don't open the door you don't get the blessing so there are consequences to not being obedient it doesn't mean you're gonna get beat up by God it just means you're not going to receive the blessings that you could have if you don't open the door right? and that's a that's a great illustration you think about of opening the door for your blessings to come okay uh, and here's, here's a second point God could make funds appear right He could put a money tree in your backyard this afternoon, but don't anybody come up and meet with a prayer team member after church to pray for that, okay? He he could do that. God's able able to just rain down dollars in in your backyard, okay? But he doesn't do that. What does he do? He chooses to use us, and he blesses us to be able to do what needs to be done. And that's the 2911 whole thing about who we are in our DNA all wrapped up. 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, Psalms, and Jeremiah, uh, you know, as Lexi was saying just a few minutes ago, is, that's it right there is because God has everything, but instead of just giving it to us, what he does is he chooses us to to do it, and then he takes all this everything he's got and puts it in us to enable us to do and, and make this big, huge dream come to pass in, in people's lives, in our life, and in our world today. That That's what he chooses to do. He could just do it, but he, he doesn't do it that way. He doesn't just do miracles that way, but then also, you know, God sent him over there to a widow. A rich family could have taken better care of Elijah. Now, think about that. God sent him over there for a poor old widow woman to take care of him. You know, why didn't God send him to a rich family? Because the rich family could have taken care of Elijah a whole lot better. But Elijah was sent to a destitute widow so God could take care of her. See, we get it backwards sometimes. We think you know, it's all about you know, me getting my stuff and all that kind of stuff. But you know, God sent Elijah to her house so she could be taken care of. God could take care of Elijah anywhere. God has it all. God can take care of this. He's got all of this. He's got all that that we need. He didn't send him to that poor woman to take care of Elijah. He was going to take care of Elijah anyway. But he sent Elijah to that poor woman to give her an opportunity to open the door and to let some blessings happen. But you know what? The, The blessing that I was telling you about, about how... They had plenty to eat for all of the famine, the rest of the famine. That's not the last of their blessings. A few weeks after this, we don't know exactly how long, that son of hers dies. And you know what? A lot of us, uh, you know, our, our first initial reaction probably would be, for a lot of us, God, why did you do that? Why did you save him in the famine only to let him die just a few weeks later? But you know what God did? God had Elijah go and pray the prayer that raised her son back to life. If she had not been obedient to God in the middle of the famine, she would not have had the blessing that came later because she would have had no relationship with Elijah. When she opened that door just to get a popsicle, I mean, when she opened that door just to get her little blessing, she had no idea. That was all that was on her mind that day. Is just getting that little blessing. But when she opened that door, she didn't know that there was a big, big need coming. She didn't know she was going to need a resurrection in a few weeks. But because she opened the door, she put things in place. Listen, what you've got to do, you're a child of God. You're part of the body of Christ. Well, what you have to do, we can't do this all together. You have to do this. You have to maintain your place in the body of Christ. You have the DNA but you've got to maintain your place in the body of Christ because I want you to see this as we look at this we think about this this little poor lady she got she got her opportunity didn't she but it wasn't just her opportunity this was the opportunity that God was looking for and God's looking for an opportunity in your life too but you got to get that door open you got to make sure you got to make sure this you're part of the body of Christ you got to make sure this stays healthy and if it's not healthy today then you You've you got to deal with that. God wants to do something amazing and awesome in your life. And he's, he's already got your answer for the next thing that you don't even know. He wants to do that. This is his opportunity. Maybe today is, your, is his opportunity to let you open the door.
0: Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.